Hi, I'm Harry. And I'm Simon. Together we sell all sorts of antiques and collectibles from our two auction houses in Windsor and in Devon. But where do the items come from? Join us as we chat about house clearances, our weird and wonderful finds. And interview others in the antiques and auction trade. And if we're honest, just about any other topic that happens to come to mind. Welcome back to The Gavel and the Gavel. It's me, Harry, and I am joined, as ever, by... It's me, Simon, from Devon. Nice to see you, Harry. How are you? I uh, see. We've got cameras on today so we can actually see each other, which we means that we talk over each other even more, it turns out. <laughs> Weirdly, yeah. That's odd, isn't it? Sorry about that, David. I'm well. I'm well. I'm doing, um, I'm doing all right. Um, Christmas started uh, yesterday. We're um, recording this at the beginning of December. And I went to my first carol concert last night. So, um, did you? Yeah. Where did you go? I went to a church in London and sang carols, some of which were in Latin, much to my wife's dismay. Why were they in Latin? Why? Why? why uh, because it was something to do with the school I was at. <laughs> right. My old school has a carol concert in London, so I went along to that last night to start Christmas. I've got nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing <laughs> to be fair you've got little kids so christmas starts really early for you you put the tree up i saw photos on social media you do all that sort of stuff yeah that's true when you're old and you, your kids are in their 20s you don't do all that so we went along to a carol concert most of my um school reunions are outside ball store when or strange ways when somebody gets out so it's <laughs> definitely different i don't i don't know what to say to that <laughs> i'm sure that's not the case um, so yeah, did that, and then um, we have had. Um, so we've got a really quick turnaround, as you know, um, for winter quick. with auction wise. So we've got um, we've had eight days between um, an auction and publishing our new catalogue for our Christmas sale. But what we thought we were all done with people bringing things in and all that sort of stuff turns out um, that everybody wants things in for Christmas. Really? So we've got some very interesting bits coming up. Um, we went to, we've got a, um, some really fascinating stuff from the uh, Sultan of Oman. Oh. Some coins and. Is he having a clear out? No, he's not. Big silver tray, which were all gifts from him. So they've all got his crest on them and all the rest of it from a house. So that's quite fun. Yeah, we've got a very large house um, or, or a network of houses have been cleared and they were all like show homes. And so we've got 200 pieces of contemporary high-quality furniture. Dear listener, <laughs> the reason why Simon's gone very quiet is that I've said, let's just have a one-day auction in December and we'll do some timed sales and some other clever things that both auction houses do. And I haven't broken into him yet that he's going to be working till about midnight on the one-day sale because yeah. we now have over 500 lots. <laughs> so he's not seeing his kids. Over Christmas, because he's getting the no. best in winter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that'll be good. But how's your week been, mate? It has been good, yeah. It has been uh, interesting. And we are lotting up a rather large stamp auction, which, on the surface of it, not hugely rock and roll. However, like everything else, I have probably been disparaging about stamps in the past, going, who on earth would the... But as ever, because I'm a twit, I have now learned, do you know what? Okay. Learning about penny blacks and penny reds and scarlets and with the seventh and uh, the history involved and how they come about, what makes them rare. Okay. 
I'm never going to be a stamp collector. That's true. But I have learnt, uh, and we in the team have learnt, we've got Chinese stamps, some beautiful, beautiful stamps. They love their flowers, don't they? The Chinese on their stamps and some of them yeah. and some of the artists involved that have created the stamps and then some of the rarities. So, yeah, we've had a really interesting week um, sorting, learning. <laughs> I have to say it's not just sorting. This is a fairly alien subject to us on this scale because we've got probably 300 lots and the plan is uh, to put up a timed auction over Christmas so you know when you've got to 11 o'clock on Christmas day and you're already bored of the relatives and the rubbish on the telly and you happen to be a stamp collector you can log on and browse all sorts of stamps from all over the world at Lime Bay auctions or that's the theory I'll let you know in the new year whether that theory comes to pass that's a.m 11 a.m yeah oh 11 a.m definitely yeah thanks for clarifying (laughs) definitely 11 a.m yeah when the yeah when the bucks fizz is wearing off and you wondered why you started it oh dear spot the man with the young family most fat most most households without kids or young kids i haven't even got into christmas by 11 a.m simon will have been up since four with two young very excited boys running around the house christmas will be done by five past seven <laughs> so yeah no it's been a, it's been an interesting week and unlike you I don't have a sale in December so actually things are quite calm and quite relaxed although when I say quite calm and quite relaxed I'm very nervous that fairly shortly Chris Cannon from Branscombe will be arriving to talk to us on this podcast so not quite as stress-free as all the other days because I'm not sure quite what's going to happen in the next half an hour so dear listener coming up this afternoon in this podcast i say this afternoon it doesn't matter about this afternoon because it depends when you're listening we're recording in the afternoon is branscombe's right to reply right to reply so if you remember simon had a few comments to make about an individual and his friends who sit in a I said they were mad. And come up with all sorts of... You did say they were mad. Who um, have all sorts of harebrained schemes, one of which was to pan for gold. And so um, I am delighted <laughs> to welcome Chris from Branscombe to the podcast for his right to reply. This has got trouble written all over it. I am delighted, overjoyed. I can't, there aren't enough words in my vocabulary to tell you. We have Chris on the podcast. This is the man who in earlier episodes was picked on. I wouldn't say picked on, Harry. I wouldn't really. I mean, let's not make it too strong because he is sat right next to me, right? He is sat right next to you. And I'm trying to rile Chris up so that he gives us the full version of what has actually happened in Branscombe and possibly to save your bacon, Simon, after you slagged off this lovely village in Devon. I may have said, I may have said that they're a little eccentric in Branscombe. I'm pretty no, sure you didn't. What you did call I? us all mad? I don't think there's any may about it. I think you did. I think you definitely did. Chris, tell me all about panning for gold. What was the what made you do this? I've got to tell you about the whole village, really, and how things start. I mean, you've got to know about Branscombe yeah. before. We can get to the silly things that we not silly things. Some of the some of the things we've got up to. I as Simon said, Branscombe is one of the longest villages in England. It's about a mile and a half long. Uh, we got a pub at the top, 
called Fountainhead. It's a bit rough around the edges, but it's full of locals and visitors alike. Uh, and in between, nice. we've got a, <coughs> a church, a village hall and stuff, and thatched cottages, and we've got a beach at the other end. But down the bottom, we've got a pub called the Mason's Arms, which is, is my local. I can walk there in two minutes, and it's been my local for the last ooh, 40-odd years. It's always been owned by families up to a few years ago when a certain brewery from Cornwall decided to buy it. And they've run it quite well up to when the pandemic started, in which case they shut it and then decided to spend two million quid on it to do it up. Blimey. Now we've got a pub, which isn't really a pub. It's a bar. Was it? It's like a hotel bar come pub. So it's a bit. A, right. A bottle of wine that cost you a second mortgage and whatever. <laughs> sort of place that Simon goes, Chris. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it, we don't have rabble. But before they refurb, refurbed it, we had a table, which really was reserved every Sunday afternoon at five o'clock for locals to come and general talk rubbish. Um, find out who's sleeping with who, who <laughs> should be sleeping with who, uh, and how how we can perhaps make some money. And this is a load of idiots talking, say, talking rubbish, really. And it was a bank holiday Sunday afternoon, five o'clock. We all sat there, a few pints in, and a lad said, "You know, they've found gold in a in a town west of where we are." And I go, "What?" He said, "Yeah, they found gold." And this, this town's a bit of a one-horse market town. I said, well, if we, perhaps we should check the gold out in Branscombe. Nowhere near as nice as Branscombe, right? Oh, no, no. So I said, well, look, you know, if they've got gold, we better check, see if we've got gold. And they, a few pints later on, we're going, well, right. all right, well, it's, it's bank holiday Monday tomorrow. Tomorrow, we'll give it a go. We'll pay them for gold. Hang on, are you busy the rest of the week, Chris? Of course. I'm at Simon's here. I'm at Simon's auction trying to make a couple of quid, but I can't. Ah, right, okay. I'm a, I'm a retired plumber, retired electrician, retired everything. And and don't don't stop me, I'm on a flow. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. So <laughs> we decide that the stream that runs down the back of my, my house, and there's a footpath and a stream and it runs down the back of my, my workshop, that uh, that would be the place to start. So Monday morning, bright and clear. But the first thing I've got to tell you about gold panning is you do need fairly specialized equipment you need a pan well yeah but not just any pan oh. you need a pan that's got ridges around it that holds the dust when you get down to getting down to the dust is not that you know you've got to sieve it through umpteen different sieves and to make sure you, you're not missing any nuggets till you get to the dust and then you swill that of course this is bank holiday monday morning and we we haven't got this we haven't got the stuff so i decide that whatever we've got in the kitchen will do so I've got a frying pan, good-sized frying pan, Teflon coated, no crap. And for a sieve, I've nicked a salad sieve, one of those salad sieves, you know. Thing. I'm not, I've not had a salad. We need, we need a little shovel as well, but she wouldn't let me use the cake slice. So I had to go and use I found right. it. Probably solid silver. But but then my mate who turned up, now he's, he's seriously rich, he turned up with a two-handled wok. Now this thing is... <laughs> The proper job a wok. I mean, how much gold can we get in a wok? <laughs> but he also brought a sieve that you could drop house bricks through. I mean, <laughs> wasn't quite the job we needed. We needed to find sieve it. But anyway, anyway, quite digress. So we thought, well, here we go. So we walk out of my workshop into the stream, sat there, blah, blah, blah. You sat in the stream? 
No, I'm just on the bank. Oh, okay. You sit on the bank and you get your get your dust and your gravel and you swish it around and you look and you look. And we're doing this for well, a couple of hours. But this pathway also leads down to the sea. And, of course, people walk their dogs down. And we had, being a bank already, there were people walking past us every, I can't say, bloody minute. And again, and none of them, none of them asked what we were doing. <laughs> and again, it's Branscombe. Oh, it's Branscombe, yeah, yeah. And those that did say, what are you doing? would say, panning for gold. Oh, okay. And carried on walking. <laughs> Nobody said, have you found any? Nobody cared. Hang on a minute. Chris, I don't mean to ruin your flow. I don't mean to ruin your flow. I just need to check. So there's two of you. I'm not suggesting you're under 21. One of you's got a wok. The other one's got a frying pan. And you're sat on the side of the river. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. I don't know why that sounded weird to me. Go on. Why are you questioning that? If we, if we didn't have the right equipment. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, no. I get it. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, two hours of this, and we, we've got bored with this, plus the, the pubs are open at 12 o'clock, whatever. So we decide, best way out of this is, we'll nip over to Lyme Regis, because they've got a fossil shop there, a fossil museum and stuff, and the shop. Yep. We whooshed over there, double parked, I've run in, bought four pieces of fool's gold. I don't know if you've ever seen fool's gold. Seen fool's gold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's iron pyrite. Iron it's, pyrite, yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. like gold. So I thought, well, look, that'll fool them. So... <laughs> Five o'clock, in we've walked in the pub, slapped it on the bar, saying, take the mick out of that then. There we go. <laughs> a couple of lads fell for it. I must admit, they go, ooh, that was quite good. Of course, it was just my luck that being at some visitors' pub, there was a nerd in there who was an amateur geologist who had come down to Lyme to find fossils. And, of course, he walked up and said, of course, you know you've got false gold, you haven't got real gold. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, but the strange bit about it was he bought it off me. He bought it. He, he bought the false gold off me. Well, saved him walking. <laughs> he bought the false gold. So I made a pound out of this gold anyway. <laughs> anyway, now this isn't, the end of the, this isn't the end of the story. Because we was let down with the actual tools of the trade, we have now bought the proper stuff. We have now got gold pans that are proper. We've now got sieves that are proper. We've now got little things to get the dust out of the pans now. We've actually moved upstream a bit more. We're going further nearer the mother load now. And when we get up another month or two, when it's nice and warm, we're going panning again, and we'll take the smile off your face. <laughs> and we come in here with the bloody gold. Chris, hang on Pick a minute. Pick the bones out of that one, Harry. That's quite, quite a lot to unpack here. Chris, sorry. So you bought fool, fool's gold too because you didn't find real gold. But you've now invested in all the kit and you're moving yeah. to the, I, I think you described it as the mother load. How, do you know that it's there? Well, we, you don't know anything's there till you start looking, do you, really? I mean, well, we're just no, doing no, it. It's, it's what you do. It's what you do. Where do you go to get this kit? Where is online? Gold pannings are us. It's not, you keep saying it's just what you do. It's not just what you do. Loads of people have gone, oh, I've seen that program about panning for gold. I don't understand. I mean, <laughs> after the gold panning, I mean, when we got into gin making, that was pretty good. We built a still out of scrap. Homemade gin, right. Yeah. When, Pachin. When gin was all the was all the rave, wasn't it? It was making, going into these... Branscombe's own. And so we made Branscombe gin. And so I seriously, well, none of us went blind-ish. <laughs> that was a little, little bit of a disaster, but it wasn't kind of... I could tell you that story if you like. Well, you're here to defend Branscombe, so whatever you want to tell us that makes Branscombe shine. 
Oh, I see, I see, I see. Well, you see, I mean, basically, you've got to convince us that Branscombe people are well, sane you, and not what Simon says. Well, the thing is, is they actually took last of the summer wine. Somebody actually was in the pub and was listening to us and thought this would make a good program. And they often often went and made a program about us. Really, I mean, we are kind of the last of the summer wine mob. Really, <laughs> we're all old, silly sods and this and that. Tell us about the distillery. Come on. Well. After after the gold panning, which, which we are going to go back to. No, we get that, and we're looking forward to the results. Anyway, the gin, the gin, the, the, the gin thing took off, and said, "Look, you know, people are making this gin, and they're costing, charging a fortune for this gin." I said, "Well, we can make it still; it can't be hard." So again, it was a Sunday afternoon idea. Then it worked out that we got the lads come around to the workshop. Me being the next plumber, I got the pipe bender so i could make the condensing pipe do you know what a condensing pipe is in a, in a still yeah yeah like a leap like a leapsick condenser yeah and for the actual boiling pot we had a, a really nice pressure cooker <laughs> that we drilled holes in right. to take the pipe off the top for the condenser and we had a anyway that bit was fine and we had the cooler and all the rest of it and it was it all looked all right they looked pretty rough but it looked good our only problem was we had no heat source now because you mm. need something to to boil up the bloody you, you pour this yeah. you pour all a load of old booze back. but all we did was pour the, the pressure cooker full of old wine you name it you just bung it all in there and you get you condense off the alcohol basically but we had no heat source and right. some bloke said well I've got a, a camping gas stove and I said well that'll do well you know anything that burns but it didn't come with a pipe or a, a bottle or whatever but I I use propane gas at home for the for the heating so i said well that's all right so we wheeled this 70 kilo bottle of gas into the workshop found we didn't and it said we needed a regulator we, we didn't know what a regulator was but we guessed it was like some form of tap anyway we stuffed the hose pipe on on the outlet and we stuffed it on the cookie thing and thought here we go turned it on slowly lit the match Nothing. Match went out, and of course, then in my workshop's damp anyway, so we couldn't find a lighter and all the rest of it. And by the time we've actually found a box of matches, I forgot, I forgot that propane is heavier than air, and it, it sits low on the floor. So it must have been about, I don't right. know, 10, 13, 15 seconds before we actually got a lighter. And I forgot that all gas burners need air to work, and this gas burner was closed off. It's a little slidey thing that you're supposed to open to adjust the flame. Well, it was shut. So basically, all we'd done is filled my workshop up with propane. And then we lit it. Oh, my God. It took a bit of my beard off. Um, it hit the ceiling and burnt a load of cobwebs off, which was quite funny. It was a bit scary for a minute or two. and then. It, but after all that, after the major bit was done, we was then on the case. And we actually got 98% pure spirit out of it. Couldn't call it gin. So we poured some of it away and put some gin on top of it, <laughs> took it down to 44% and took it over the pub. And there's some old girls in our village that know their gin. And we passed it around the pub and they said it was great. This stuff was lethal. You could, it would it burn holes in concrete. <laughs> so we did that and it went on for a while. Then they said I couldn't sell it, apparently. You can't sell homemade gin. Who, who, said, who were the people that you approached to sell it? The pub. Well, I was going to sell it. I was going to sell it to people in their houses. I was going to knock on doors and sell brands. Oh, I gin. see. We had, oh, okay. we had bottles. We had labels all ready to go. Brands <laughs> gin. I tell you, we was away. 
But um, now since then, now since then though, to be fair, we did oh, away God. with the first the first still. We've now bought a proper still. Oh no, a big coppery thing with taps and spouts and all. Sorts. And now we're making rum, and our rum is is nice, really nice. It's strong, more of a Bacardi taste than rum. But we're getting the colour right. We're putting brown stuff in it to make it look like rum. But it's good stuff. I tell you, we know how to live. What? We don't spend fortune. We drink our own uh, rum. Yeah, well, the people of Branscombe, I mean, they've got a still and they've got um, your. Um, oh. So are all these operations for keeping Branscombe alive, do they all come out of your yeah. house? Is that where the storage is for all the various schemes? I mean, some of the stories, I mean, <laughs> most of these stories all <laughs> come from the Mason's Arms pub over the last 40 years. Somebody said we should write a book. Somebody said they won't print it because <coughs> some of the stuff is is ridiculously funny, and it's just. Uh, the, and I assume this happens in most villages. You know, you know, people live in it, and things happen, and they should write them down because they're so funny. <laughs> 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 Let's say some are a bit, some are a bit serious, and I can't. Mm, yeah, no, Simon. Um, so you were quite. Are you still here, Simon? <laughs> Simon was very critical, Chris, of the people of Branscombe. He was, and he um, was. I mean, I, I mean, what I mean, you listened to it. It was pretty tough going for for those people living in the village. Well, that's it. I mean, he he doesn't he doesn't know the people. I mean, Simon, I I see nothing wrong with burning your house down in order to make gin. I mean, what's well, your I problem? Mean, what, what what else do you do for fun? I mean, well, I mean, I've got to say. I mean, I think Chris has come on to the gavel and the gavel and has he's put me in my place because quite clearly the people of Branscombe who blow themselves up with gin distilleries and pan for the mother load of gold are perfectly sane yeah. and perfectly sensible. And I stand corrected. Well, I mean, just that we have more fun than you do, basically. Well, I, mean, I think there's no doubt about that, yeah, without I mean, a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I think, we, I think we're all on side with that. I, I think we're all on that page. The only issue I've got, Simon, is that there, there was a moment in the, um, while we were creating this gin, that actual gin had to be added to their <laughs> distillery to well, make gin. The, I'm not smell. sure that's making gin. <laughs> I, I, no, no, it just had to have the smell of gin. You can't, you can't sell 98 pure alcohol. But it's pure alcohol. But it's, gin. but it's not dissimilar to panning for gold, finding no gold, <laughs> driving to Lyme Regis, buying fake gold, coming back. <laughs> brilliantly selling it for a profit which we're all about in the auction world and then off the back of that uh going out and saying we're now going to invest in the professional gold panning kit because that was the problem that was we not never, enough professional we, kit we never did have the proper stuff we you had a walk the mother load is on its way apparently wherever it's that like, is just, 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 i tell you what you two I don't, i'm gonna have a bet with you lot i tell you I don't know what I'm going to bet with, but <laughs> gold by the gold. sounds of it. <laughs> I mean, gold I mean, and gin. I mean, these are just just normal stories. I mean, I haven't told you about the wife swapping team on tour. No, yeah, we oh. can move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> Producer David, anytime you want to step in and edit that, that'd be great. I'll just talk over Chris there for a minute. Sorry, the wife-swapping team, we played Cornwall and won. Away. We had to play away. We couldn't play at home. We had to, well, we of had course to... you were playing away. It was wife-swapping. No, we had Stop. to play our team. Okay, to I'm the referee. Enough, Simon. You had, to... <laughs> you had to travel to Cornwall to swap wives. Well, it was the league. <laughs> it was the league. 
Okay. No, I think I think Chris has has perfectly. I, um, I forgot to tell you this bit as well. That I mean, I actually used to say years ago that brands can be invented while swapping, but they didn't invent giving them back. <laughs> so it would be like, can I borrow your what? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I'll borrow yours. Okay. Well, I'll keep this one. This one's better than mine. So I mean, I I, th- I think um, I that that our, our, yeah, our listeners will um, they'll they'll be there will be no doubt whatsoever that I have been put fairly and squarely in my place and that the wonderful people of Branscombe are clearly not batshit crazy. No, uh, they are very <laughs> sensible, well-adjusted uh, village folk. Oh, so I was telling someone about our all-terrain vehicle. Yeah, let's go with your version, Simon, your new version. Love it. <laughs> the, the, I can't tell you, dear listeners, how many stories we've had to edit out of this conversation these were if i'm honest <laughs> don't be honest you never no. are an auctioneer that says honest yeah. oh, <laughs> oh the pain oh, oh, here we dear. go and i tell you what i tell you what chris is known in the village uh, as well for being a trader a wheeler dealer a buyer a seller an auction goer that'll be true wouldn't that's it? very true that's very true i never buy at auction you're too expensive <laughs> except for the stuff i bought for you today except for the stuff i bought today nobody else wants it but other than that no chris is chris is one of our fine customers who comes in and says you know i bought that off of you for a tenner i made a fortune <laughs> off it last week and we like and we like that absolutely good stories but a very good trader as as well i've got it i've got a team mad you. as a hatter but a really good trader i haven't told you about fanjo steering wheel yet <laughs> uh, do you know fanjo the famous racing argentinian racing driver back in the 30s ever heard of him being auctioneers you should know your history you must know a fanjo i heard of him but know nothing about him well i, I sold his steering wheel <laughs> i sold his steering wheel <laughs> I found his steering wheel and we sold it there's one important question chris did he know he's dead and he died years ago. What was ago. his steering wheel doing in Branscombe? Well, you see, you ask me now, we ask these questions. Now, Fangio was called Juan Mikel Fangio, I think. But he didn't like being called, didn't like his first name, Juan. He liked being called Michael or Michael or whatever, Artinian, Artinian. Anyway, strangely enough, we found his steering wheel in a barn, in a farm. In Branscombe? Yeah. <laughs> Polished it up, beautiful aluminium, brass ring and all the rest of it. And his initials on it, MF. <laughs> Massey Ferguson. Massey Ferguson. Bloke didn't realise that. He said, MF. I said, Mikey L. Fangio. He believed it. <laughs> Off he went. Didn't charge him a fortune for it. But And I used a phrase that you lot use all the time, thought to be. Thought to be. Thought to have been. <laughs> in the in, school in of. The era of. In the school of. Maybe. In the, well, hang on. A tr- Massey Ferguson tractor and you palmed you know, it off I, as a racing driver. I oh. had two of them. I sold the other one as a, a motor torpedo boat steering wheel <laughs> that we found in underwater that the diver had found, which was a lie because we found it in a barn. <laughs> <laughs> and all the things we find in barns that, 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 that come out of the sea, like pulleys and stuff. Well, wooden pulleys you see on the schooners and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you find them in barns, but you don't say that. You say just washed up on the seashore. <laughs> um, we top- should get Chris in to write our catalogues. I'm better liars than you. Yeah, okay, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember? Look up Branscombe sometime, and you'll see that a ship run aground in Branscombe a few years ago. A bloody great container ship. They had to cut it in half to get rid of it. It's famous. It's on the new. If you look up Branscombe, and then 
Napoli. Napoli, yeah. The Napoli grounded on Branscombe <clears> Beach <throat> and used to see the rubbish we had. <laughs> I bet you were the first there. No, funny really? enough, I actually put on, <laughs> on my eBay page, I had to say nothing on my page has been salvaged off the beach. <laughs> some, I mean, they, was, they were going through people's belongings, <laughs> they were going through the household stuff. And it was <laughs> one bloke got a, Mercedes, got a BMW motorbike worth like 20,000, 30,000. And he got the, the BBC to film him with it. I thought, <laughs> you just told the police, you've just stole the bloody. And they nicked him for it. <laughs> and they stole, nicked him. They did. They said, you can't do that. You silly great sod. <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, he was a. I mean, I have to say, some people around our way are a little bit thick, but. <laughs> Jeez. Steering wheels. Now, now they were walking off of the, off the beach with armfuls of BMW steering wheels. Now, how many BMWs need a new steering wheel? Would you think? Not well, unless unless they give them to you, and then you can find a racing driver that's deceased with the initials BMW. I'm sure you'd manage that. It's not a thing that wears out, is it? It's not really wear a steering wheel out. They're walking off with gearboxes. I'm going, who wants a gearbox that's been stuck underwater? Nobody. <laughs> I'm going now. Right. Oh, he's, le he's leaving now. Chris, thank you very much for joining us. I, I think, Christopher, Harry, you you've got to you've got to have the final word as to whether. Um, do you want me back? Of course we do. Oh, oh, of course, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you need to have the final word, Harry, as to whether I've been put fairly and squarely back in my box and, and Branscombe's honour has been defended. I think that Chris has put up a good fight for your comments that much maligned the people of Branscombe. But if I'm if I want to be the neutral, I think they're absolutely back crazy. The lot, of them. <laughs> but I think he's defended them. That's it. And I think the people of Branscombe, uh, they should be over the moon that they've got somebody like Chris looking after exactly. them. Exactly. PR relations have never been better between Branscombe nobody, and the rest of the world. Nobody from Branscombe listens to this. <laughs> well, let's just say thank you, Chris. Thanks for coming down. <laughs> Apparently, it's his dinner, so he's got to go. Cheers, Chris. He's got to go. Cheers, fella. Cheers, Harry. Be good. Look after yourself. Don't forget, you owe me a drink. I never did get that drink. I'm on it. <laughs> You'll get that drink eventually. Well, we've just said goodbye to Chris from Branscombe, <laughs> uh, who, um, Simon, I, mate, I've got, I don't know if I've got enough words or any words left. I mean, apart from the fact I got told to be quiet twice. <laughs> Can I just tell you, I've just walked. So literally, he said, I've had enough now. Uh, I'm, I'm going home for my tea. So, okay, I'll walk you out, Chris. And when he walked out, I promise you, no word of a lie, it's a beautiful, crisp winter's evening here. There isn't a cloud in the sky. And he's looked up in the sky, Harry, I promise you, and gone, oh, bloody hell, it's a full moon. I said, yeah, it's going to be cold tonight. And he went, no, that's not the problem. The people at Branscombe go nuts on a full moon. <laughs> he looked genuinely, genuinely worried. It sums up the conversation we've, we've just had. I didn't know where to put myself. I mean, the story about the panning for gold is one thing. Then he blew himself up. Yeah. Distilling gin. Yeah, and with propane. Blew himself up. I mean, this is, they're all nuts. Absolutely batshit crazy, I'm telling you. The fact that all of these genius plans are hatched at five o'clock on a Sunday round a square table in the Mason's Arms should tell you something. I tell you what, if nothing else we've done, this, whatever they've spent, did he say two million pounds refurbing the Mason's Arm? Mason's Arms. I don't know who the brewery is, but they should be messaging us and giving us a royalty because people are going to be <laughs> flocking there to look yeah. at the five o'clock Sunday table. <laughs> They're just going to be like, what's going on with this? We'll have to tag them in a post. 
And I tell you what, dear listener, if only we had a, uh, what would it be, Um, an adult rating for our podcast, because I can't tell you about some of the stories that we've been told that we just, Harry and I had to say, no. I I don't even think an adult rating cut to cut it for several of them. (laughs) Several of the stories that we got treated to, dear listener, and I would suggest that I'm quite liberal and open-minded and all the rest of it, and, you know, not frightened of hearing what people have to say, were frankly terrifying. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank the Lord that we I just didn't know. I genuinely didn't know where to put myself. Did you know there was a wife-swapping league? Stop. Let's, let's, seriously, that was... I don't want to know. I just... The whole thing is horrific. Oh, dear God. Right. Um, well, thanks very much, mate. And um, I think we're going to end on that note. <laughs> I'm going to... I'll find us the next guest. Yeah, maybe I'll find you one. I'll find you one. (laughs) See you, mate. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.